0: Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. And uh, I'd love to invite you to come worship with us. We gather together every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 1030 They're basically identical services, and we do have children's programming in both hours, the 9 and the 1030 hour. I'd love to have you come and worship with us this Sunday. We are located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Well, today, on this Friday broadcast, I want to talk to you about six ways in which you can grow your inheritance. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 4 today. But you know, every morning, 85% of Americans alter their state of consciousness with a potent psychoactive drug called caffeine. Every one of us who are coffee drinkers, you know, we begin our day, uh, 85% of Americans begin our day with caffeine and giving us that pump that we need to get going throughout the day. And I don't know about you, but I became a coffee when I was in college and seminary. And doing those all-night studying events kept me up all night, and I needed something to keep me going. But, you know, we love our caffeine here in the United States. And so I encourage you, get your cup of coffee ready as we get into God's Word. And if you're driving, please be careful out there. I know the Interstate 64, 664. Man, everything's under construction, and traffic is getting backed up often. So please be patient out there. They're going to get these roads fixed eventually. And uh, in the meantime, just hang in there and uh, be courteous to those who are driving with you because they're trying to do the same thing you are, trying to get from point A to point B as fast as they possibly can. And I know sometimes you get stuck. Man, I've been stuck out there several times going back and forth to Newport News. So my prayers are with you Uh, if you're out there on the highway. And if you happen to get stopped, and uh, traffic just stops, and it seems like it's going to happen at the entrance of one of those tunnels or bridges here, and uh, if you happen to get stopped, well, use that as an opportunity to say hello to the person next to you, and uh, who knows what can happen if you strike up a conversation with somebody. Might be a great opportunity to share the gospel to somebody, right? Well, let's talk today about six ways in which I can grow my inheritance, okay? And we're looking at the book of Galatians, and Galatians chapter 3, it says, In Christ, you who are all children of God through faith. Now, when children are born into this world, they are born 100% takers. Now, you know this is true if you've had children. They give back nothing. They're given everything. Their birth costs them nothing. They didn't receive a hospital bill for the expenses of their birth. They didn't receive an electric bill or a food bill. They don't have a mortgage. They really don't have a clue to the enormous sacrifice and the expense of their birth. In Galatians chapter 4, and every parent from time to time can feel this, right? Paul says, I fear for you. In other words, I'm worried about you. Can it be that all my work that I've been putting into you is for nothing? And maybe you feel this way as a parent, right? Right. Maybe your kids are older, like, like my children are older, and I'm thankful for my children, uh, but sometimes I fear for them. Um, I'm fearful that they may go down in the wrong direction. I'm fearful that they, uh, they may make some poor choices and, and may have to suffer uh, lifelong consequences for those poor choices. Uh, I used to think that as my kids would get older, I would worry less about them. But if you are an older parent who has children that are getting up there in age, you understand that, that you don't worry less about your children as they get older. In some ways, you worry about them more because you don't have them under your feet. But Paul is feeling this tension as he's talking to the Galatian believers. He says, I feel that somehow I wasted my efforts on you. Well, salvation is a free gift of God. It brings with us some, some serious responsibility to live a holy life. So why is Paul so so worried about the spiritual inheritance of these Galatians? You see, he sees something very subtle, but extremely dangerous that is taking place. He sees this trick of the enemy. You know, beneath the surface, something quietly is eating away at the inheritance of the Galatians, almost like termites. You don't see them. You don't hear them. And it's easy to, not, to deny their existence because they're not seen. However, if you allow them to do their work, they do a lot of damage because they will never reveal their damage until it's done. You know, evil has a way of creeping into the church. and uh, And we're talking about life-destroying demons that can creep into the church and Paul is concerned in Galatians chapter 4, and he says, you know, know, this danger that is coming in, uh, it can affect even the elect, even those who know Christ, even those who have a strong relationship with Christ. This danger can creep in, and so Paul wants to build up their inheritance. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus said, If by the finger of God I could cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so Jesus says, okay, uh, I can cast out demons. And when that happens, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And Paul said, we are not contending against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against spiritual hosts of wickedness and, and high places. Paul driving home the point that our inheritance can be eroded away as we fight against principalities and powers, and, and it can happen in a very subtle way. And, and then Peter said in 1 Peter 5 eight, your adversary, that devil, he prowls around like a, a roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. So we've heard what Jesus said, and we've heard what Paul says, we've heard what Peter says, and, and then James says in James 4, 7, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then we may as well hear what John says. John says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you heard, and that is coming, and and now is in the world already. And, And John is talking about several small letter A Antichrist that can be among us even today. And so we need to realize that the enemy is hard at work. Paul, under divine inspiration, Exposes a typical demonic scheme, and it's very prevalent not only in Paul's day, but also in our day today. And so I ask you, is your inheritance growing? Or are termites and and demons eating away at your inheritance? In Galatians 4:1, Paul asks this question, he says, What am I trying to say? He's trying to uh, drive home the point that we have this heir that is given to us and we don't want to lose that inheritance. We want that inheritance growing. Now, listen, if you are putting away some money for your, your retirement, and hopefully one day you can pass something on to your children. Uh, that is growing, right? You put a little away and, and it grows. And maybe you have it in 401 or 403 and and uh, and it's a retirement plan. And you're putting a little away each pay period. And it's growing slowly and steadily. And, and you don't want anything to happen that would eradicate the growth of that income. I want you to know the same is true with our spiritual inheritance. There are six ways that we can continue to grow our inheritance. Number one is by keeping a source of our faith, keeping that source growing, that source of our faith growing. Paul says, we're no longer a slave of sin. We are God's children. And since we are his child, God has made us also heir. Paul says, formerly, when you did not know God, you you, you were slaves to sin, and you did by nature the things that sinful people do. You see, my initial inheritance was given to me when I, I put my faith completely in Christ Jesus. My inheritance grows as I continue to trust Christ in and for all things. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand the power of salvation. Salvation is not a one-and-done decision. Salvation is the beginning of putting all of your faith in Christ. When you think about living, live while you live, says the sensualist, and catch all the pleasures of a passing day. Live while you live, the holy man replies, and give to God each moment as if a fly was there. Lord, in my life, both be united, live in pleasure when I live for Thee. My inheritance grows when I put the source of my faith in Christ and in Christ alone. Here's a second way that our inheritance grows. It grows when I have my strength in Christ. Not only my confidence in Him, but my strength in Him. Look what Paul says in verse 9 of Galatians 4. He says, but now that you know God, or rather that you are known by him, how is it that you are turning back to the weak and the miserable forces? Do you wish to become enslaved by them all over again? So my strength is in Christ. Paul knows that in the past, the Galatians were in bondage. Uh, Many of us came to Christ and we were in bondage. We were slaves to these small letter G gods, and we were set free. That is what the power of the gospel does. You know, I was at a conference not too long ago, and they were talking about the power of the gospel to set us free. I don't care what sin you have in your life. I don't care under what kind of bondage you are. If you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he will set you free. And as you go through constantly putting your trust in him, you will continue to be set free. Those gods, those small-letter demons, those small-letter-G gods, they're no match for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We see the same thing in 1 Corinthians 8, 5. For though they were maybe so-called gods in heavens or on earth, as indeed they are many gods and many lords, yet there is one God, the Father from whom are all things. In other words, Paul is reminding us here that the titles they carry may change, But Paul admits that these little gods, these little lords, they do exist. They are powerful, but our God is greater. In 1 Corinthians 10, 20, he makes it clear that these are demons. He says, what pagan sacrifices they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be partners with demons. Paul is reminding the Galatians, if they go back to living a life of trusting their good works, It's like a demon faith. So in Galatians 4, 8, Paul is saying that formerly the Gentile Christians had not known the true God. They were enslaved to these demons. They were weak and miserable forces, but they were enslaved to them. They were set free. You see, one of the dangers that we are facing as new Christians is that they might turn back and become enslaved again by having tasted of that old life. Look at verse number nine. We're in Galatians chapter four, verse number nine. Paul says, but now that we have come to know God, or rather that we are known by God, how can we turn back again to the weak and to the, uh, and to the beggarly elemental spirits who enslaved us and be enslaved once more? Now, it's very clear from this is is that Paul is saying, you don't want to go back to that old life. It was a weak in a worthless life. You know, the Greek word here that is, is used is a word that has a meaning of the basic principles, the elements of the material world, or the spiritual being uh, that is uh, between man and demons. Paul says, don't be in bondage to that. Bondage to the law. Don't be in bondage to demons. You have been set free from that whole way, way of thinking. Your confidence is completely in Christ and in Christ alone. So the challenge here, if our inheritance is going to continue to grow, we must have our faith in him. It begins by having him as our source of faith. But secondly, our strength must be in Christ alone. In other words, all of our pressures given over to him, all of our desires given over to him, our complete being turned over to him. Well, number three, we discover that our inheritance grows As we mature in our faith, we mature in our faith by understanding that we put our confidence in Him. Let me read how this maturity process is explained in Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Paul is writing, he says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing for me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you'd have torn out your eyes and given them to me. How have I now Become your enemy by telling you the truth. Now, this is a very important point. When we think about maturing in our faith, Paul is looking at the Galatian believers and says, you know what? When I first came to you, I was in poor health. Man, I was sick. But in spite of being sick, I preached the gospel to you. And you were very patient with me in the midst of my sickness. And you received the message. And not only did you receive the message, but you treated me well. You took care of me. You welcomed me. Just as if I was an angel directly from God, you welcomed me. But something has happened. You are no longer maturing in your faith. You've been around for a while, but now things have changed. And all of a sudden, I have become your enemy. When I told you the truth the first time, even though I was sick, you received that and you were born again. But now I'm trying to drive home the truth that you cannot mature in your faith if you think that you can be kept by good works. He said, all of a sudden I'm, I'm sharing this truth with you and I become your enemy. You see, the church was beginning to be filled with pride. And you know, the fundamental stumbling block to the Christian faith is pride. Jesus said this, how can you believe who receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? You see, our love for the praise of men hinders us from trusting Christ Because the purpose of Christ is to remove every ground of boasting, eradicating every form of pride. You know, when we think about lowering ourselves and taking on the form of a servant, that's exactly what Christ did. In Psalm 115, it says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, O Lord, but to your name give glory. You see, saving faith is is resting in the sovereign work of Christ, past, present, and future, giving all glory to God. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, Therefore, in one sense, saving faith is the easiest thing in the world, as easy as being clay in a potter's hand. But in another sense, it is the hardest thing in the world because human clay hates being shaped and formed by Christ so that he gets all the glory for what we become. You see, it's not surprising then that the Judaizers are finding a foothold with their false teaching in the hearts of the Galatian believers, especially the new converts. Uh, they were kind of like the cult of that day and age. They were an egocentric group, and, uh, and they believed that uh, you could be saved by Jesus, but then you had to embrace Judaism. You had to embrace all of the uh, festivals and the feasts, and you had to be circumcised and all of these other things to keep your salvation. And Paul is directing this argument and saying, listen, you weren't saved by keeping the rituals and, and being, by being circumcised. You were saved by Christ and Christ alone. You grow by being more like Christ. And so Paul says, brother, I beseech you, become as I am, for I have become as you. In other words, Paul is saying, I humbled myself. It was a terrible irony to Paul that he, a Jew, had become a Gentile, as it were, to win the Galatian over to Christ. But now they were trying to become Jews in order to win God's favor. And so Paul reminds the Galatians, verse number 12, that the very fact that he did not depend upon his Jewish distinctives should make them forsake their Jewish distinctions. In other words, I'm going to grow up to be more like Christ, more confidence in him, more trust in him. Well, there's a fourth thing that you can do to grow your inheritance, and and that is a different attitude, an attitude of Christ. Paul puts it this way in Galatians 4, 17. He says, for these people are zealous to win you over, talking about the Judaizers and, and not for good. What they want is an alliance from you so that you may have zeal for them. But verse 18 is is really Paul driving home the point that they are fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. And then he says, and he gets real personal, he says, "My, my dear children, he says, I have given you birth and I've gone through the experience of pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you how I wish I could be with you now and and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. And Paul is really confused. And he's saying, how in the world could you be radically changed by the gospel of Christ? And now you have this attitude that you don't need Christ, and you need more of what the Judaizers are teaching. And, and anybody who holds high Christ and says Christ and Christ alone, you're excoriating that person. And Paul says the root of the problem is that these Judaizers— They're motivated by love for themselves and and human praise. They want to be made much of. They want to be sought out, to be dependent upon. And as a result, you have an ego building attention, and they're telling the Galatian believers that they're going to be shut out from God's final blessings if they don't accept their teachings. So every Galatian Gentile who capitulates and and get circumcised in the hope of making points with God is another notch in the Judaizers' pistol of pride. You see, that's what Galatians 6.13 means when it says, For even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glorify in their flesh. So as you mature in Christ, you always have a high regard for Christ and a high regard for those who are followers of Christ and Christ alone. By contrast, as we look at Paul's message in verse number 19, he says, "I've got this longing and this longing is to be what Christ has made me to be to make much of Christ, putting your faith in him." Well, as we think about our inheritance growing, There's another thing that will cause our inheritance to grow. We've talked a whole lot about our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We've talked a whole lot about maturing in our faith and having uh, that attitude of faith and and the attitude of a Christ-like person. Uh, But there's something else that we must also understand, and there must be a level of teachability. When I think about people who have a teachable spirit, uh, we're always looking for people that are willing to serve in our church and And one of the things I look at, is I'm looking for people who are fat, F-A-T. And I'm not talking about people that are overweight. I'm talking about people that are faithful, people that are available, and then people that are are teachable. And we see that the Judaizers did not have a teachable spirit. You know, when you think about being able to be molded, I think about an Old Testament story, the story of Hagar. Let me just read you a little bit of the story of Hagar. And, uh, and it brings to remembrance what, what all happened there with a, uh, an unteachable spirit. These things are being taken figurative. The the woman represents two covenants. One covenant is uh, the, from the Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. That's Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai, and, and it represents those who are victims and those who are under the law. But then we get down and we look at the children of Isaac. And it says that the children of Isaac are the children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh, persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit in the same way now. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of that slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Now, there's a lot of figurative language that is used here. And so we're going back to Hagar, who had a son that was born enslaved, had no freedom. Then we had Isaac, who was born a child of promise with freedom. Don't follow the child of slavery, follow the child of promise. And again, this is an allegory, right? This is figurative language that is being used in which it characterizes a literal event that happened to teach a spiritual truth. And so Paul is driving on the point. Don't follow the Judaizers. It will lead you right back into slavery. Instead, follow Isaac into freedom. Full freedom. Full freedom in Christ and in Christ alone. Now you think about freedom. Now let's take skydiving or sky jumping, for example. Suppose you're on your way to the airport to go up for your first real jump, but your car hits a pothole and you have a blowout, and you run to a a telephone pole. You are no longer free to jump whether you have the ability or not because the opportunity passes while you wait for the tow truck. Your lack of freedom of opportunity. Or suppose that you make it to the airport, but you have no ability at all. You have never studied sky jumping before, and you never learned the first thing about how the parachute works, and the opportunity is there, but you don't have the freedom or the ability. You're in bondage to your own lack of know-how. But suppose that you make it to the airport. You've been to the school, and you've been trained, and, and all of the abilities that you need are in place, and you take off for your first jump, but as soon as you look down... All you desire vanishes in its place because you are filled with tremendous fear. The opportunity is there. The ability and the know-how is there. But you don't have the freedom or the desire because fear overtakes you. Oh, when you come to Christ, He eradicates that fear. He sets you free from the bondage that you were living under. And you are able to jump out of that plane with the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ. Listen, when the Lord sets you free... You are free indeed. I hope this has helped you to build your inheritance, your spiritual inheritance, so that you can pass that on and be a blessing to your children. I hope you have a great weekend. I look forward to talking with you on Monday. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.